I'm Melissa White, and this is The Spirit Room. This is a place for seekers that find themselves intrigued with working with the unseen world. I'll bring you insight into my life and work as a medium, interviews with people that I find fascinating, and also provide you with some tools to help you implement a beautiful life in partnership with spirit. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy what spirit has in store for us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Spirit Room. I'm Melissa White, and I'm here today with a really beautiful and special guest. Her name is Kimberly Verdure, and she is founder of Knowing Soul, LLC, genealogist, psychic medium, and cement artist. So welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Melissa. I'm so looking forward to this. I feel like there's going to be so much amazing information that we're going to cover and so much insight for people. So I really, yeah, I really thank you. The, the first thing I would ask, I guess, is just where you're calling us from. I am in Fayetteville, Georgia. That's right outside of Atlanta. Beautiful. Wonderful. And can you share with us a little bit about how your sp- spiritual journey began, how you came to realize um, that you were a seer of truth and a healer and a medium? Oh, I had a sudden, a very sudden spiritual awakening in, well, kind of started in 2010. And I had one of those moments that people refer to as Kundalini, a Kundalini awakening. And I had no, okay. no idea of what was going on. I just felt a connection, of course, to everything. Everything I thought I was fell away. And I just felt a union with everything. And people started asking me at the grocery store and restaurants just started coming to me and asking me questions about what they should do in their life. And I didn't know what was going on, but I was just full of love. And really what, what sort of was a prelude to that was a very unhappy marriage. And one day I realized I wanted to leave that marriage. And I was scared because I had two young children and I had a child on the way to college. And I just asked why, you know, why does this have to be so hard? I said, surely life doesn't have to be this hard. And in asking this, something immediately came over me and literally brought me to my knees. And my life hasn't been the same since that moment. So as I worked through that, I ended up at a mediumship group reading because I thought I kept hearing things and then someone would say it right after like all these things were happening that we would call magical I guess um and I thought well maybe a psychic could help me figure out what's going on because I didn't know what was going on and he invited me to do a psychic development class and that's when I really began it grounded me and and I began to understand what was happening is oh look okay this is reality what I thought was reality was really a story I was trying to abide by conditioning and the idea that when you marry, you stay married forever. Like my parents did that. They stayed together over 40 years until my father passed away. And I was trying to create that story, but that wasn't in the cards for the marriage I was in. So um, 
from that from that experience, I just started offering the service. All the services I offer is something that just happened in my life, and I want to share it. So that was in 2011. I opened Knowing Soul LLC, and I've been doing a soul reading since. Beautiful. I really resonate with that too for my own life. Um, certainly, same kind of feeling within a marriage and having the two kids and trying, trying to make that, like you said, make that story because it was something same as me. That's what I had, that's what I had been raised with. Um, and it was always ideal to keep it together at all costs. But right around the same time, I had the same kind of experience as far as just this awakening that was all of a sudden, boom, 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 everything started coming very sort of fast and furiously. So I really, I really relate to that. Definitely. Now, how about after your awakening and then you go through the process of sort of reacclimating to the world with this? Yeah. It was rough. Like everything that you, every story you had in your head, everything falls apart until there's yeah. nothing left but your heart and, and, yeah. and your purpose, which, um, yeah. So I, I took several years because I spent a year just completely disconnected from earth life. Like I was just in spirit and reading all the time. And so it became a distraction. Well, I spent, yeah, it was several years of finding that balance of, okay, right now I'm here on earth and I'm a human being. And, and really, uh, so that's why all my teachings are centered around the present and yes. really embracing our time here as human beings. I because I it's tempting to people like, oh, I just want to escape and just be in spirit. And it's like, no, we are spirit. This is in human form. Like here we are on this earth. So let's squeeze every last bit of life that we can in this human experience. So that that's kind of what brought me to create Knowing Soul. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense. You're so right. It is a painful thing. I think sometimes people think that the spiritual awakening is just full of sunshine and roses and I oh think my there's so much money to it but yeah. it is not in any way in shape or form I think an easy an easy thing to experience and as you're going through it there's so much I think there's so much happening that you do almost uh, for me it was the same feeling I was very very much kind of almost feeling like floating through life I wasn't even really connected to my physicality so I totally know what you're saying. And that's, that's such an important thing, finding the balance between, yes, we, of course, we're connecting the spirit and all of these things, but we still do have this physical, very physical life. And there's important things we need to focus on here as well. So that, that definitely resonates. What about your discovery of your love for words and writing? I, I guess I just came here with that. My father yes. wrote that way. When I read you know, love letters. He, he wrote my mom 50 years ago. Stuff like It's like I wrote it. So I really believe that's something I just inherited, which is along the lines of our discussion about genealogy, right? It's one of those things I inherited from my father. It's one of those things. So um, that's my preferred mode of communication is I love to write. And so it comes through me. I don't sit and yeah. think about it. It just happens. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I really felt that like when I was looking at the article and looking at your website, some of the some of the words that you choose and way that it comes through, it just feels so filled with spirit 
that it's like this, co- it, it is, it's like a co-creation. Like you're, you're allowing that to come through you, but also it's like spirits guiding it and just so beautiful. I really, really felt oh, really touched. You. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I love words too. I do write, but I find that there's just sometimes when you read a, read something and it just touches you, I just have to have to tell you. Yeah, really beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And what is the, what do you think inspires you the most, like with your writing? My connections, relationships. That's what, yeah, everything that comes through is an extension of an experience I've had with other humans. <laughs> For sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, this is, this is so intriguing to me. I know because I read um, about it, but could you share with our listeners about how you became interested in genealogy and a bit about that, your story with your ancestors and all of that? To me, this is so fascinating. Well, I've always been interested in um, all things family. So I've I was labeled a family historian 25 years ago. I started working on my family tree in the 90s. So it's something I've always done. I just do it for fun. I just, I love it. It didn't matter whose family it is. I just, I love it. So, but along like right after my awakening and I decided I was going to divorce, I was trying to get the courage to file and uh, found out my dad had stage four lung cancer. And I immediately flew to Minneapolis that next day and he had a series of conversations with me and he kept saying he was going to go home. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, it's not timed. He was going to have right. surgeries, like maybe do chemo. Like, you can't just say that. And he said, okay. So we, we, he knew he was having a surgery and he kept saying, when I, when I go home, he kept saying all these things that were going to happen. And I'm like, you mean when you come home from the hospital, right? Well, three months later, he did pass. And in those final conversations, he was telling me he had no regrets of any, anything in his life. He lived a good life. He's done everything he wanted to do. But he said, the only thing I regret is that I was never told who my father was. Now, we've always, there's whispers and people come up in the family that my father, about my father's father and but I never brought it up to him. Um, it didn't matter to me. It didn't seem to matter to him. But in that moment when he looked at me and said that was the only regret that he didn't know who his father was, I knew in the, in the same conversation he's saying he was about to depart. And I knew he yeah. was kind of giving me permission because he knew I'd find out. He knew, he knew my love of genealogy and we had talked about DNA and he knew I'd find. So that was kind of my green light. So he passed away in 2012 and I, I was grieving. So I didn't, I didn't really care to know. And it wasn't until 2017 that I finally got my ancestry DNA test and it sat on my desk for a year. And it, finally I submitted the test and I went on this journey of learning how to use the, to build your family tree to really, because as we all know, what's written in, in genealogical records and public records don't always match the biology. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the case. Like the father on my father's birth certificate was not his father. So if you're just looking at the paper records alone, go down the wrong path. So with the DNA, it was a nine month process. And I finally figured it out and narrowed it down to a family and found out that I'm a lead better, actually, biologically. I'm not a verdure. I'm a lead better. 
and found the family, had my mom look at my, my grandma, my father's mother's, my grandmother's yearbook to see the Ledbetters, if there were any in her graduating class. And sure enough, my grandfather, Leon, was in her graduating class. And he looks just like my son. When I saw the picture, spinning image of my son. So I contacted them on Facebook <laughs> and we went, we went to visit. And it's like, I've always known these people. Like, like we're so similar. Like, it's like, this is my family. It didn't matter that we didn't know. Like they'd never met, they didn't know anything about us, but we were family. We all look alike. We have the same mannerisms, the same ways. And I'm sitting in my newly found cousin's living room and it hit me. I'm going to start offering this service to other people. Like, this is just like, it was so amazing. And that kind of, that was the birth of soul Center genealogy. When we got back home, I started setting up the, you know, infrastructure in order to offer the service. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it since 2018, the, the genetic genealogy. Right. So I love what you say about the soul-centered genealogy because you're basically blending the scientific part of it and then also this other aspect. So bringing, to me, it's like so much healing, putting these pieces together for people, like phenomenal. Well, you probably know in readings, you'll tap into something and be like, oh, like uh, most, like a turning point for me. I'll never forget this. I was reading for someone and grandmother kept coming up. It kept coming up and, and it just took me there. And I saw uh, a rural, a dark road. And she's like, yeah, yeah, grandma was always so mean. She's just a mean. And I'm like, well, what, what happened with grandma? And I'm on this dark road. I'm like, oh, yeah, she was raped. In a rural Tennessee town, mid-20th century, African-American woman raped by white men and could not say anything because for fear of her family and her life. No one was going to be prosecuted for it. It's like, and so through that journey, things like that coming up, it's like, you might look at grandma and remember her as me. Well, it's like, yeah, no, you know, know her story. So yeah. we take what we intuit. And it kind of brought that back up and inspired her to have a conversation with her mother. Now she has a better understanding of her mother's experience because this woman that went through that with, had carried a fear and that trauma. So that affected the way she raised her daughter and that affected the way she raised the woman I was reading for. And so from that perspective, you really begin to realize, wow, I'm actually carrying some of grandma's trauma. And now that educating myself about it, and having healthy conversations with my family about it, I have a better understanding. Now I see why my mom might have been overprotective and why this, that, and that. So now I'm empowered to make decisions based on who I am and what I know and honor and respect what my mother and my grandmother overcame and what they went through. So that's how it ties together for me. And so I actually did end up doing her family tree. And so in, in doing that, you really get into the details of, well, what community, what was the community like that they were living in and who were their neighbors and what did they do? How did, where did they worship? And, you know, what were the politics of the time? You know, how were they impacted by things? And, and understanding that when we really take the time to understand our parents and grandparents as human beings doing the best they can, because we often blame 
our caregivers. A lot of people blame a lot, forgetting the yeah. fact that, wow, they've been through things too and doing the best they could. That's it. That's it. And I think sometimes during readings, when a great grandparent might come through, sometimes people I find are a little bit surprised, especially if they didn't get to know them or they don't didn't know them very well. Yeah. And I always think what an amazing gift that is, because here's this ancestor who, yes, you may not have gotten to know in life, but they know you yeah. and they're stepping forward for a purpose. There's always a reason. And so I think that it's so beautiful to know that there's all of these people that we we may not have had the chance or the opportunity in this life to have that connection with in a in a tangible way, but that they're they're still with us and also like that how much support there is coming from these our ancestors. So I always I always think it's it's amazing to to connect with them and especially I do have a few a few clients, one family in particular, that they've been really interested in their family history and they've done, like the mom has done a lot of work and research compiling the family tree information and names and records and all sorts of things. And because she knows that information, what I find is all of a sudden her, like, ancestors that probably are even further back, great, great, or whatever, they can start to come actually through in a reading because they know she has some details that she can validate. There is some information yes. that she can say, oh, I can identify that person. That's actually this ancestor. And so it's kind of, it's, it's pretty interesting to me. And I think it sparked something in me because I would love to do more research myself and find out so that we can kind of broaden that, actually connect with these, these people that are our family. It just, it makes no sense to me that we would not be interested, like not want to know. It's just, it's so, it's so amazing to have that knowledge. Well, we're literally evolving their genetic code. So... Mm -hmm. Anything that we go through in our lives, it changes our cells. It changes our, our genetic code. So whatever your grandparents went through, it affected their genes. And then it, it then is carried on to the children that are born. And so we're often, we're actually evolving skills, sometimes fears, desires that's like i was explaining earlier like the way i write i got from my dad like there's things i can pick i'm literally taking picking up where they left off that's what we're doing and we're evolving that and it's scientific it's biology i mean you can speak to scientists about this genetic memory is real so what my grandmother went through i may never been in a certain circumstance but i'll may have a reaction to it when a certain not know like why am i feeling this way and then when you understand your family's history it's like oh that's in my gene literally in my genes <laughs> that yes and what else are we we're our, our earthly bodies are literally the genetic components of our ancestors that's what we are and it does and and also when you're doing the research how it goes all you have to do is ask but when you focus on someone they'll 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 show up 
So like you're saying, yeah, just by me, like in my research, when I found my grandfather, that was cool. But even equally as cool was finding my third great grandmother, Cornelia, in records. And I'll never meet her. Of course, there's no record, no pictures of her that I've found yet or anything. But I feel so close to, you know, I have have over 12,000 people on my family tree. And, and there's, there's a few in there that I just identify so strongly with. And I, I don't know exactly why it's just, it's just love. I just leave it at that. But yeah, that was a gift that came out of that. It's knowing her story and there's just something about her. So I, it, they're all alive as us. Yeah. And I'm mindful of that as I raise my children, because I, I can see exactly what I passed on to them. It's very apparent. <laughs> <laughs> How old are your children now? Uh, my oldest is 30. And then mm-hmm. uh, I have a 14-year-old son and an yeah. 18-year-old daughter. Oh, okay, okay. I, so I've got a almost 18-year-old son and then um, an almost 11-year-old daughter. Yeah. And you can see uh, it too, I'm sure, when you look at them. You can, you can. And it's it's one of those things that it's just... It's interesting, too, because sometimes I'll look at my son, for instance, and his middle name um, is after my grandfather. It's a, a, grandfa- a great grandfather to him that he's, you know, never known. He passed right before my son was born. But sometimes I look at him and just a certain look on his face, expression that he gets, and it's mm-hmm. just like him. Like, it's just like yeah. my grandfather. And it just, it's so, it's so, it's just a little glimpse. It's just a moment. But it strikes me every time. And I think, oh, they do. They continue on in us. Like we are their legacy. That's all we are. Like literally genetically, that's, yeah. There's like you were saying, like there's um, times my son will say things my dad used to say, little sayings and things. Mm-hmm. And he was just four when my dad passed away. And so he doesn't remember it. But yeah, it's like amazing. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, yeah. you're still here. Yeah. Like, you're still here. <laughs> it is it's so it is so beautiful to see that why why do you think people start to become interested in their ancestry what's the reason that most people seek you out people mostly seek me out because they want to know something they they haven't been able to find in their own research or maybe they were adopted and they're wanting to use dna to find their biological parents. That happens a lot. Like that's the most dedicated clients I have. And some mm. people, I, I need to clarify this now, since some people will contact me and want me to use my intuition to ha- help them find records from like 300 years ago. It's like, you know, I, I think this is my seventh great grandfather and I just need this record. And I'm like, that's not how it works. <laughs> they they yeah. want me to tell them information. And it's like, you cannot put as a as a source my psychic told me this in 2022 exactly. like that's exactly. not a valid site source so you know, it's important to distinguish that anything that goes on a family tree has to be based on tangible evidence not hearsay not not a feeling and so there's a lot of trees out there that just have like entire branches that don't belong there based on one record that was wrong or whatever so a lot of people come to me to help them clean that up, to clean up the family tree, to, you know, figure out, okay, where, especially once you get DNA done, you realize your tree's not right. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. as I said, 
reality is not always documented on paper. People say all kinds of things, but that's why I love studying the DNA because that coupled with the genealogical research gives you a clear picture of, of who you are. Definitely. Is there the ones that you can order like at home kits and stuff? Are the, do you do you feel those are worthwhile? Like those are legitimate or is there a certain kind that you, you would recommend? Oh, no, they're all, they're all legitimate with the exception of, you know, the ethnicity. That Mm -hmm. is not an exact science just yet. Like it's improving. So a lot of people will get the test done just to see what their ethnicity is. And I, I really don't pay attention to any of that because if you go back far enough, we're all the same, like we're all from the earth. That's it. Pretty much irrelevant. I, I have uh, many different ethnicities in my you know, biological line. So those change. You'll see on the different sites that every few months they'll update it. And then you'll have a certain percentage higher of this, a little bit lower of that. So I would not get a test just, I mean, it's fun to do, but it's not not 100% accurate as far as ethnicity. Mm-hmm. As far as, so, and when it comes to genetic genealogy, though, what it does, and that's why I love Ancestry for this, because they have the best combination. They have, uh, like, so many people who participated. So you have millions of people to compare your DNA with and see who you're related to. And in addition, there's a lot of family trees out there. So in order to use the DNA, you, you look at your matches. And what I personally do is I'll figure out which line they're tied to, because you can tell that by who's matching who. And then I literally build my matches tree and see where we connect. So that's why my tree has 12,000 people on it, because I have my DNA matches in their lines that lead up to our common grandparents. So they're very valid and very good, but it's what you do with the data that makes it mm-hmm. work. So a lot of people will get their tests done and be like, oh, okay, well, I know my ethnicity and I don't know how to figure out who's who here. It's a lot of work. It's pretty intense. And they stop there and they don't realize that there's people like me that can teach. I like to teach people versus like, I'm not going to be able to take someone's DNA evidence and, and do their whole tree in a couple of hours. It's, it's literally takes years to really piece it together. So, but what I can do, I like to teach people. I like to set them up, teach them techniques and get them started. And then if they have a specific question or they want to study a specific line, we develop a scope of work. We just go one line at a time because the DNA uh, tests are revealing like 126 of your grandparents going back like seven generations. So you're going to go back 300 years or so with that evidence and be able to confidently, if you use the data correctly, go back that far. I've gone, I've gone back to the 18th century to this point. So they're valid and they're good, but it's, it's being able to use it. So I really like to focus on giving people the skill sets and the tools to understand how it works. And then they take what I've done and continue building on it. If there's some desire, of course, they can come back and work on another line. Some people do that. So I I offer a service where we get on Zoom and we share the screen and I literally go through their DNA matches and and help them group them, help them figure out which line and then start building what we can just to set them up. Because it really is something you can spend decades studying. 
like I said, it's showing you 126 of your grandparents. It's a lot. (laughs) It's wild. It's so, it's so intense when you think about that, but I think it's so worthwhile. And I think you have to be a certain kind of person to take on that, like, depth, that scope of the project. So it's so good that you have that ability and that you can help people to do it. Because for someone like me, I would look at it and think, I'm so intrigued, but do I have the knowledge or the experience to just delve into all of the records and knowing what everything means? No, like I, I would get overwhelmed pretty easily with that, but I, I think 25 years in, so (laughs) yeah. Yeah, right. You you do have to love it. You do have to love it. But like we were saying earlier, another reason I added that service is my grounding thing. If I just read all day, I'm going to slip. Yeah, um, and so it's something I already love to do. I'm going to do genealogy no matter what. Like, I'm just going to do that. But it, it's something now that I, I use my mind. It grounds me. You know, it brings me. It's such a nice balance for me to have that mm-hmm. time where I'm just focused on mental activity. So it's a good balance for me to do that work. Yeah, I could see that. Definitely. And it's interesting, too. I find since... DNA like ancestry and DNA stuff is out there these like people have more access to it over the last however many years I've started to notice in reading sometimes sometimes people will approach me and they want to know they want me to tell them who their who their their father is or who who their their real mother is or or whatever like they did that to me in that conversation because I had just started doing readings and he was like so do you see who he is yeah yeah and I mean it's interesting to me and you can you can definitely get some insight but I find also there's been times when people have been like hey listen I found this out because I went on, we got a, I got a DNA test. Like I, I got this information mm-hmm. and they want to contact that person. Like they want, they want yeah. their communication. They want the answers. Yeah. And so I'm like, it's just opened up new doors for people. I think there's been a lot of people found out they were adopted and didn't know uh, until after the passing, you know, of their parents and, it's just, it's, it is quite, it's intriguing to think of how, how much things have changed in that way. It's, and it's, it's delicate because yeah. you may find that out, right? But you don't realize how this new information is going to impact your family yeah. um, and the different ways. And, and that's what I help people through. Cause like you said, that they just want to contact them, but there's some things you need to think through first on the other side of that, you know, you don't know what it's going to be. You got to prepare. There's people, it's going to impact more than just you. And, and it's going to impact you. You don't know what you're going to find or, or how that person's going to react or if they want to be found or. So I help people through that process as well of just sort of easing into it. And I do use my intuition in that part, but I help do it in a way. I understand the feeling is I know and I need to speak like I had, like when I found my family, I was going to meet them. I didn't care what was going to fall out from it. Like, and, but I realized like even my mother's side of the family felt a way about it. My, my father's family felt a way because it was bringing up things that have impacted them. My grandmother passed away in the nineties. So she can't speak for herself or tell, like, we don't know the story. And so it brings up a lot of questions and and wounds and and 
things and other people. You have to be mindful of that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. Because there's always, it's such a sacred story. It's like these are the stories and the real life experiences of these people that that are it, it is so sacred and I think just yeah that it's very much like a sensitivity and um really doing it with I think awareness and consciousness around like that and it's it's a ripple effect it's not just finding out and then you have the truth and that's it there's a ton that goes into that and also so much healing that comes I think uh, tying back to what you were saying before about the um compassion that we start to have or and a deeper understanding of where we've where we've come from. And so it's it's huge. I think it can be so profound for people. Yeah, it is. Even even when it's hard, it's it's all beautiful. <laughs> it's a lot of healing. A lot of healing. I could see that for sure. And I love this this quote that you have about clarity. And it just said, clarity is the prelude to healing. And I thought, yes, like literally. I don't know any person, any person that I ever have read for or just know who isn't looking for that clarity, peace of peace of mind and finding the the truth just in, in any given circumstance. So that clarity is important. I think that's really what you're offering and that's what you're you're working to bring is clarity and that healing. And the other thing, now these these words I just had to share with our listeners because I love it so much. It says this, rest assured, child, your children will surely evolve and be enriched by all of your wonderings. Oh, well, that, just, years, that was me and communion with my father. Me, yeah. me, it, well, uh, yeah, it puts me just in that state of like, yeah. oh, that's exactly, that's something that I feel on such a deep soul level that really speaks to the whole point like because lots of times people are like okay yeah so you communicate with people's loved ones that have passed away blah, blah, blah. but it's actually the whole point is that we can have this healing and like you said we could live this life and live it to the highest potential how much can we evolve how much can we bring healing to not only ourselves but also our ancestors and the the generations to come that's I think that's the whole idea so you just those words just absolutely blew me away when I read that well you you probably picked up on what it was like it's like my father didn't really have a need to know but I think he knew in his heart there was something for us and when Mike it took my kids to meet our family it was truly a special gift for all of us. So it was something he wasn't really willing to confront or face in his lifetime, but it's almost as if he knew there was a gift for us. And yeah, I still love them. We stay in touch. Like they're my family now and they're beautiful. And it was truly a gift. It was. Amazing. And he gave me kind of like one thing he gave me before he left. Yeah, it's like a part. It's like a parting blessing. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like, I know you're gonna want to know. He knew me. Tell me you want to do it. Because I remember saying you should get your DNA done. He didn't want to do it. But he's like, okay, I don't want to deal with it. But he was like, yeah, this is for you. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I feel like in some ways, yeah, you're kind of like a detective. Like you can absolutely investigate yeah. and put these pieces together. 
you've yeah. got the keen awareness and the the intuition and all of that so it's it's he knew yeah he definitely knew what he was doing and in, in knowing that that would be something for you in that yeah. um what about the process if somebody wanted to is interested in working with you in this capacity what would be the first step like what do they need well, I have a, on my website, Kimberly Verdure, which is hard, like, it's hard to remember how to spell Verdure. I I'll say If you Google soul-centered genealogy, I'll pop up. And in the genealogy page, uh, there's a form to schedule a consultation. So before any work begins, I mean, and there's a couple of questions, you know, I get clear about what they're looking for, what they want to do. Is there, you want to use DNA? Is it? And then we'll meet and chat and develop a scope of work. That's the first step. And once we develop this, because some people don't realize how much work it is. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I just want to do essentially like five years of work. Like, I want to do all of this. Like, no, we can't do all of that at once. <laughs> so, yeah, so we develop a scope. And then from there, I then draw up a little contract that explains exactly what I'm going to do, what the deliverables are, and the time and everything. And then I do the work. and. Yeah, that's how it works. And so throughout the process, as I'm discovering things, I stay in touch. I'll send pictures I find. I have a lot of questions. So it's a very interactive process. I don't just go off into a hole and come back with a report. Right. So right. It, it's very interactive, especially when we're dealing with sensitive things. And if I do come across a discovery, especially with DNA, some maybe a parent that you thought is not a parent, that's something, then we stop and address that. Do you want to go further? Do you want to know more and yeah so in the end according to the scope of work they get some sort of report be it a, a sort of genetic genealogical report that shows how I came to the conclusions I came to or if it's just genealogy I have the tree and a report a family report about key ancestors or any interesting things I found along the way. And during the pandemic travel was restricted but I like to get out in the field so if it's impossible I go to uh, town, do research on the ground because though we have a lot of records that have been indexed and published, probably only 10% of human history is actually indexed and available online. So you really need to hit the ground, especially because I, I, I do focus a lot on African-American history and like, I mean, like Mississippi, for example, still they have not published death or birth records for African-Americans for the 20th century, early 20th century. So it's like, you literally I have to go and get it. I have to go and find it. So now that, you know, we're able to move more freely about the globe, I, I want to start doing more going to the towns and going to places to do the research. Oh, wow. I mean, I think you need to document it. Somebody needs to be like recording you. Almost like this could be such an amazing documentary. Like I see that. I think that's incredible. Wow. Anything else that you would love to share? Anything else you want to share before um, I let you go? Uh, no, I'm just happy to be here. And, and all the work I do is inspired by my love of humanity. I just, I really appreciate being on this earth and, and being part of humanity. And, and I'm happy to be here. That's, that's it. Beautiful. Well, I'm so glad. I mean, I, I literally just Googled mediumship and genealogy, I think, and I found you. Oh, and, cool. I, and I just I was interested. And I thought, well, I don't, 
I don't know anyone um, with this particular skill set necessarily, but I wanted to find it. So I'm so glad that I was I was led to you, and I really am so deeply appreciative and grateful that you came and spent this time and shared it with us. And I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Melissa. I, I appreciate it. You, you're a joy to speak to as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. Well, and um, people can find you. I'll post the, the website. And then you're also on Instagram as well and Facebook. Yes, I'm not active. It's really, <laughs> I don't like social media. I like to do things in real life. But so, and I have people say, I see you're not active. So I wasn't sure if you said, like, no, my business is open. I'm just not always on social media. So the best way to find me is to go to my website. But I, I do, as far as the genealogy, I do post some of my research findings out. And I have a lot of articles on my genealogy, genealogy blog about how to do your own research and a lot of case studies too. So if you're, you know, interested in, in delving into your family history, I have tools there for people who mostly a lot of people who want to know, want to do it themselves, mm -hmm. you know? So that's why yeah, I provide all of that there. So, and in addition, you can also find me at knowingsoul.com. That's right. Okay. And that's Perfect. like links back to my other site. So everything's, yeah, together there. Amazing. Okay, well, uh, we will leave it there. I just send you so much love and thank you so much. Oh, likewise. Thank you, Melissa.